Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, do you, uh, you often wonder why you're, you keep having the same problems in your relationships over and over? And before I get into that, I forgot to welcome you to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. But if you do have those problems in your relationships over and over, you're far from alone. In the U.S., almost 50% of first marriages end in divorce, one divorce every 36 seconds, and 40 to 55%, depending on the poll, of parents worry that their children are depressed or have substance abuse problems. And studies demonstrate that dating is problematical. More than 2,500 online dating services serve more than 49 million folks, many of them middle-aged, trying to find mates. So it sounds like we don't have too much confidence in ourselves. And truth to be told, so many of us uh, conduct our relationships on automatic pilot without really thinking about what we're doing, and we just keep doing it. And uh, so often, we act and react so much differently than who we'd like to be. And my guest, author and renowned psychiatrist, Christine Adams, M.D., tells us it's because we're living on automatic, based upon emotional conditioning we received as a small child. And it's high time we go back and explore this phenomenon. And Dr. Adams is the ideal professional to point the way. She's known far and wide as the emotional conditioning expert, and she's been uh, practicing child, adolescent, and adult psychiatry for 40 years, and she's often sought uh, out as an expert on personalities and relationships, and she's been interviewed on numerous radio and TV programs, and uh, she's author, along with the late psychiatrist Homer Martin, M.D., of the definitive 2018 book, Living on the Automatic, How Emotional Conditioning Shapes Our Lives and Relationships. And hello, Dr. Christine Adams, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Thank you very much. Well, to launch our discussion, please give us a definition of emotional conditioning. What is it, and how does emotional conditioning we receive as a small child impact our personality and our relationships throughout our adult lives? Well, emotional conditioning is the uh, process that happens to us from our parents, the way they raise us, and they teach us how to conduct relationships with people. And they do this uh, through an emotional avenue, much the way that Ivan Pavlov conditioned his dogs behaviorally. Um, Parents do this to us emotionally. So that in other words, some, we're kind of like dogs. <laughs> yes, we are very much like our pet animals. <laughs> and, well, you, um, you mentioned that this is interesting that the primary caregivers, usually our parents, when they uh, when we are tiny, may give us conflicting messages 
the verbal instructions about how we should love and treat everyone well and then how they actually treat us as children and how they behave toward uh, themselves and toward others. Can you give us a couple of examples of this? Well, uh, yes. Um, One of the ways we found that there are patterns in the way that parents emotionally condition us and that they condition different children in the family in different ways. An example I like to give of this is the... child in the grocery cart who's standing up in the grocery cart, maybe about two years old, and one parent will respond with, sit down right now, that's dangerous, you're going to fall, and I mean business, and they'll give them a very stern look, and the child will emotionally want to please that parent, so they'll sit down and do exactly what they told them to do. Yeah. Now, another parent with the same, a different two-year-old child will say to the child, you're not supposed to stand up in the cart, and I want you to sit down. Um, But then they will smile about it because they think it's cute or they think it's funny. Yeah, you talk about a father particularly that... uh says that and, and then smiles broadly at the child. Yeah, and then the child gets a different emotional message from the first parent. Yeah. The second parent gives the emotional message of, in order to please me, you have to do things that are disobedient or mischievous. That's what makes me smile. I also like, so I know these are the are, two different types of conditioning that we discovered parents give children. I know we talk about, you know, the, the controversy over whether you spank a child or not. You preach uh, nonviolence and love for people, and yet uh, so often parents spank their child when they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> so yes, and children definition. get the emotional messages not from what you say, you know, you can say to an unruly child, you know, be better behaved. Yeah. But they're going to pick up on the emotional cues that allow them to misbehave. So they're going to do what you do or what unconsciously you communicate to them rather than what you actually say to them to do. Well, in the book's uh, preface, Dr. Martin informs us that emotional conditioning creates two personality styles, omnipotent and impotent. Can you please give us definitions of these two roles and how each one conditions our lives going forward? I thought that was fascinating. Well, it starts from the two examples I just gave you of the kid in the grocery cart. The first style is an omnipotent style of uh, emotional conditioning. And that child grows up. What we discovered in working with people in psychotherapy is that some people have this unconscious view of themselves as extremely powerful Hmm. and able to do whatever somebody else wants them to do in a relationship. There's no boundaries to it. They just feel they can give and give and do what everybody else wants. And then other people in relationships that we called the impotents are people that felt very helpless to accomplish (laughs) things. And they rely on other people to do things for them and to take care of them. Yeah. And we, we found that these two personality types pivot in relationships 
around giving and taking in terms of emotional support. Some people are very good at taking emotional support from others, and some are very good at just giving and giving and giving and not asking for much in return. So the omnipotent is very good at giving emotional support and very poor at accepting it. And the impotent is very good at taking emotional support and very good at giving it. I don't know which is worse. (laughs) They both have have downsides. And they both create emotional illnesses and emotional dysfunctions and conflict in relationships. And that's what living on automatic is about. All the things that we found in, in working with people for a combined 80 years we work with thousands of people in in-depth psychotherapy. Well, why do the ways of relating to others we learned as a small child often explode, as you put it, with dire consequences later in life? Well, because we're programmed or emotionally conditioned early on, we're not aware that our parents are doing this to us, yeah. and our parents are unaware that they're doing this to us. So we go along and it gets reinforced and we practice these roles and this conditioning and we grow up and say we're in our 20s or 30s and we get married and we think everything is wonderful, we found a perfect mate, and then children come along and things start to unravel. (laughs) And the seeds for this unraveling and conflict and parents saying, Whose children are these? They don't resemble <laughs> me or my husband. Um, these things starts to happen. Start to happen. Yeah. People get interested in filing for divorce because they're having so much conflict. But the seeds for this were sown way back in childhood, by age yeah. three, when all of this conditioning started and the personality yeah. was created. So it, it seems to be a ticking time bomb yeah. that then explodes in middle age, which for your audience, is good to know because they're middle-aged. And a lot of these problems don't start cropping up until people are in their 40s. And they start asking, what is going on here? I thought I had the perfect mate. I thought my children were fine. And all hell is breaking loose. We often hear the uh, commentary about marriage and relationships that opposites attract. Please uh, give us the real reason why opposites attract and is marrying your opposite a good practice for a long and uh, calm and mutually satisfying lifelong partnership? Well, what we found is that when we talk about opposites, what we found is people that are oppositely emotionally conditioned. So yeah. omnipotence and impotence will often gravitate toward one another and get yeah, married I think they would. because one is very good at satisfying the needs of others and the other one is very good at accepting the emotional support. <laughs> yeah. But they're they're fraught with hazard because since as a child each person learned only one way of relating to people, yeah. the impotent can't give to the oh. omnipotent when the omnipotent needs it. And the omnipotent can't stop giving and say no when the impotent demands things that are unreasonable in a relationship. Yeah. And, and so it that blows up really later on. great on each other, I guess. Yeah, and it's very common in first marriages for them yeah. to be opposite yeah. personality or opposite role 
condition types. Then sometimes in second and third marriages, yeah, I'm not sure wiser, we, we ever learn. They uh, seem to be caught in the vicious cycle, as you point out. Why do we right. keep dating? Sometimes people just marry the same type person yeah, over and over. We keep marrying the same unsuitable partners over and over. <laughs> right, well, but sometimes people wise up and yeah. fall in love with somebody who's very different than their first mate. Yeah, that's the great situation. Well, let's turn to your book's title. What, in fact, do you mean by living on automatic? Generally, is living on automatic a good thing or a bad thing to do? Well, what we found is that uh, this emotional conditioning in childhood causes people to live on autopilot. That's the automatic part of the title. And when you live on autopilot, it's like the doctor taking the hammer and tapping your knee yeah. Your knee just jerks, and you have no control over it. Yeah. And so you react emotionally with a knee-jerk reaction to people that you're closest to Yeah. is what happens. And so if this occurs rapidly, and it occurs without your thinking about the situation, it's just an automatic reaction, Yeah. then you don't have any say-so over how you respond to people. Yeah, and that's so not a husband good, and wife don't have any thinking time yeah. about, well, wait a minute, you walk in a room and I get nervous and I have no idea why I get nervous. And the first thing out of your mouth is you're asking me something to do and I respond automatically and do exactly what you want without questioning, well, wait a minute, do you really need this? Am I the best person to do it for you? Is it an outrageous thing you're asking for? Or how can I fulfill your needs maybe part way, but not all the way, because all the way would be unreasonable. Yeah. So well, let, let, let's you get have down. to oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. You, you have to uh, to learn to to have um, a good relationship. You have to learn how to push aside all the automatic responses and how to start thinking about what is the best decision for this person, these two people, in this situation at this time. Yeah, well, let's get down to where rubber meets the road. Let's say that you're not happy with your life today and your relationships, and you begin to realize that you have been living on automatic pilot based on that emotional conditioning as a child. Any suggestions on how to begin to decrease the automatic ways you're using to manage your relationships and learning to form new relationships and strengthen existing ones through conscious, uh, intentional, mutually beneficial thinking and behavior? How do we get started? (laughs) Yes. Well, the first thing that that I always advise my patients to do is you know, we've got to help you discover what your early emotional conditioning style was. Yeah. What messages unconsciously did you get from your parents that dictated how you were going to conduct your relationships? Yeah. And then once people learn that, they can also learn to identify the emotionally conditioned role or style of their mate. Yeah. And then the third thing they can do is they have to observe the situations yeah. in their life where they tend to react automatically to their mate. 
Yeah, they can catch themselves and realize they're doing and it. And then they? they have to catch themselves and say, well, this happens at 5 o'clock every afternoon when my <laughs> husband comes home from work. And then you plan a, a method to slow it all down and stop the automatic responding. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say yes to my husband the minute he walks in the door. Yeah. I'm going to slow this down. I'm going to think about, okay, What's going on here? What is he asking for? What what do I need? Uh, what do the circumstances dictate? And then you decide the right course of action. Yeah. Maybe he wants to talk about something and you're in the middle of fixing dinner. And you say, well, you need to wait right now because I'm making dinner. Yeah. After dinner, I will listen to you. Yeah. So you have to think and then you have to plan your course of action for your decisions, what you're going to do, and you have to get feedback from your mate. Can you hold this topic of conversation until after I'm done cooking and we have dinner? Because the dinner is burning and I need to get to it first. And if he says, no, 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 it's very important, all right, then I have to turn off the stove and go and listen. That might be reasonable if he says it's an urgent matter. Okay, we can order out and we'll talk as long as you want. (laughs) Yeah, so you have to then, you have to slow everything down in slow motion and you have to decide, okay, what's going to be reasonable at this time for these two people and in this circumstance? Yeah, I can get you there. Let's talk a bit about your acclaimed book, Living on Automatic. Is your book written primarily for fellow mental health professionals or can a lay person like me benefit from reading it? No, it's not written particularly for mental health professionals, although many of them have said they've enjoyed it. Um, It's written for um, general readers. Um, It's pitched toward people who are uh, middle-aged, late 30s to mid-40s and older. A lot of grandparents have enjoyed the book. Um, And people who are just beginning to ask questions about things that they see going wrong in their relationships. It's pitched at a 11th to 12th grade reading level. We have a lot of uh, case examples. We have a lot of questions you can ask yourself. And we have chapter summaries at the end of each chapter, the things you should have gotten out of each chapter. And then in the back, there's um, suggested reading and movie movie viewing lists. Oh, I like that, movie viewing lists. Yeah, when I teach classes, I use a lot of movies to explain yeah. concepts so that I'd people like can actually see glass. people. I love to watch movies. <laughs> yeah, Is it's a lot one, of fun. One primary message you would like a reader to take away from your book, uh, Living on Automatic, what would that message be? That the personality, even though you learn things by age three that are going to set up your personality for the rest of your life, that the personality can be changed and you can make changes in the way you relate to people all throughout your life. I've and had people I've worked so with in their nineties. Uh, so much more of a positive attitude and a self confidence if you know that you can change and you can understand why you've been doing things the way you've been doing them and why you've had so many failures and Right. Uh, the problem is in, in much of the literature, um we we have not had the ways that Dr. Martin and I discovered of understanding people and helping them make changes, these have not been 
printed anywhere before. And so this is new information, and we were very excited that we were able to help so many people in psychotherapy, and so we wanted to get the same concepts out that we discovered in working with people to the general public so that they could begin to make changes in their lives. And then uh, if they needed help doing it, of course, they could get themselves a therapist. Where is the best place for our readers to go, or our listeners to go to preview and purchase your book, Living on Automatic? Uh, The book is available in uh, three places, from Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and from the publisher, Prager, P-R-A-E-G-E-R.com. And it's available as an ebook and oh, as a hardback. Well, on your website, I noticed that you offer over 100 blogs plus a free download, Seven Secrets for Raising Children that Lessen Parent-Child Conflicts. That sounds like a great download. Uh, please give us your website address where people can go to find that good stuff. Yes. Uh, I welcome comments from people through my website. It's doctor, spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R, Christine, with a C-H, Adams.com. Yeah. Dr. Christine Adams. Yeah, that was a very comprehensive website, and uh, I really enjoyed that. And I also am a blogger at psychologytoday.com, and the name of my blog is Living on Automatic. Oh, I see. Okay, they can find it one of two places then. Well, to conclude, I can speak from personal experience, and I know a lot of you can also. Isn't it frustrating when at middle age you so often feel uncomfortable relating to other folks, maybe even including those closest to you, your spouse and your kids? And is your family life a constant squabble uh, between you and your spouse and your kids are disrespectful, ill-behaving, and out of control in your opinion? Uh, Don't you hate it when you lose out on a uh, great job, uh, lose a high commission sale, or uh, fail to get a promotion that you think you deserve because you're not good at uh, forming and building relationships? And I know it's easy to blame yourself and lose confidence in controlling your future, uh, but to solve your relationship problems, all of us need to know why we are who we are and what we need to do to take conscious control of our actions and our thoughts. And a great way uh, to launch the process of understanding, I highly recommend you preview and purchase Drs. Martin and Adams' book, Living on Automatic. And I close this segment with a couple of highly uh, favorable reviews. One is a must-read for anyone seeking raw new ideas and findings about their relationships the scope and depth of Drs. Martin and Adams' critical experience to discover how to manage our relationships with one another is nothing short of mind-blogging. And that was from James Fisher, Ph.D., President Emeritus of Towson University and the Council for Achievement and Support of Education, or CASE. And another one, Living on Automatic is a Life Changer, if you want to possess authenticity, if you want to possess on authenticity through self-discovery and look deeply into your relationships, that was from Judith uh, Minor, M.D., a private practice child in adult psychiatry and co-author of Fatherless Children, 
and these are only a couple of a number of ringing positive endorsements. And thank you so much, Dr. Christine Adams, for a most revealing interview. And uh, best of continued success with your book and in all that you do. Thank you so much, Roy. It's been a pleasure. Well, now that, uh, let's talk about an unpleasant subject that is far too real for so many of us at middle age, and that's chronic pain. Perhaps you, a loved one, or a close friend has suffered from annoying or worse yet debilitating pain that just won't go away. And you've been to one or more doctors, had numerous lab tests, but the medical professionals have been unable to diagnose a cause, and perhaps you've suffered from a traumatic injury or illness or a degenerative disease months, even years ago, but all the tests indicate that you have healed, so why does the chronic pain continue? Even more puzzling, you may not even re- recollect precisely when or how the pain began. One day it just showed up and it won't go away. And my next guest, integrative health and wellness coach and certified acupuncture practitioner, Dagmar Bauer Pragatano, tells us that chronic pain isn't always something that's always seen, but this doesn't mean it any less real. And chronic pain is a widespread problem that affects millions worldwide, uh, hindering many from working, attending school, or socializing. And before I introduce her, here are Dagmar Bauer Pregatano's background qualifications. She's an Arizona and California State Board Certified Practitioner of Acupuncture in Chinese Herbal Medicine, and she graduated in March 1994 with a four-year postgraduate's Master of Science in Traditional Oriental Medicine degree. And she was in private practice from 1995 until 2005, receiving many referrals from physicians and other health care providers. And she presently operates the Restorative Acupuncture Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona, as an, is an Amer- a member of the American Association of Oriental Medicine and of the Society of Acupuncture Research, or SAR. And uh, hello, Dagmar Bauer-Pragatano, and uh, welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Hello, Roy, and thank you so much for having me. Well, to begin our discussion, you have a couple of great examples you've had in your newsletter recently. And to begin our discussion of chronic pain that won't go away uh, but doesn't have... uh, obvious identifiable causes. Can you briefly describe the circumstances of a client, Maria, which is not her real name, a middle-aged female who came to your office with chronic back pain and following diagnostic tests, she was given physical therapy treatments but eight months ago and they still haven't stopped the pain and she's still unable to return to work. What strategies finally help Maria move forward to not only manage her pain but to experience a breakthrough concerning her own self-value? What were some of the treatments that uh, you did for her? Sure, I'll be happy to say that, Roy. Again, Maria has been a client many years ago, and that's not her real name. And um, 
Uh, many of your listeners may also be able to relate to this. You know, when you have been through a number of therapies, and again, the physical therapy has been ordered, and after maybe 12 or 15 visits, you should be feeling better. However, you are still in pain. Well, in my client Maria's case, a middle-aged lady, um, the same thing occurred. Uh, and uh, she uh, was middle-aged and happened also to be the sole provider, a single mother of three young children. Wow. And so, um, so uh, as uh, we started with the acupuncture treatments also, and I explained things to her and how they relate. And the beautiful thing about acupuncture and Chinese medicine is it's not just the acupuncture, that we really always address the physical, the mental, and the emotional state also yeah. as it relates on an energetic level. So uh, as Maria was receiving her treatments also, um, what just a tremendous tension, uh, the exhaustion from taking care of everything, uh, the distress of uh, physically not feeling well, um, all uh, just uh, surfaced also. Uh, her mentality was that, you know, she was working hard, providing, not really taking time for herself, uh, always being there for her children, uh, which you know cons- resulted in depression, a lot you know lack of energy and enjoyment, anxiety, sleep disturbances, and that was not necessarily conducive to her circumstances. Yeah. And uh, by addressing you know a number of those issues also, and trying to integrate uh, strategies of taking a little bit more time for her, valuing her. Uh, time when she was going to sleep, pretty much also making herself a bit more of a priority and taking some rest. We slowly were able to help her reestablish, uh, uh, to feel better, uh, reduce the anxiety that created the intense tension, have her continue the physical therapy treatments at home uh, and so in order for her to start feeling better. Yeah, so many people forget that. When Jesus said, love others as yourself, they forget to love yourself and pay attention to yourself, a portion of that. Especially as a mother, right? Yeah, when you're a single yeah. mother and provider for children, you know, you very much have the tendency to self-neglect at times. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's talk about another of your clients, Erica, again, mm-hmm. not her real name, a middle-aged woman who was a stay-at-home mom. And what type of chronic pain did Erica suffer that uh, you label as one of the most common uh, ailments of tension? Well, Erica uh, was experiencing headaches. And so who of us hasn't had a headache? And we all know how bad that can be. So she had them uh, Erica, for a year, and they were they were pounding headaches, and she had them literally daily. I think it said in, in your more or less, yes. Yeah. And so, what was happening in Erica's life was also that um, she has tried a different approaches. And of course, we always want to rule out with your physician that there is no serious disease underlying uh, the concerns. Yeah. And as so often most people find me as an acupuncturist, oftentimes just as the last resort, right? You yeah. have tried a different route, and so finally let's try the acupuncture. And well, so, in, her case, in Erica, you were able to uh, identify a specific event, or she was. What was that event that set her off on all this? Well, what, what happened was that Eric and her husband had decided to purchase a bigger home. 
Yeah. And so a bigger home meant larger expenses, and uh, also uh, they purchased a bigger home so that the in-laws could move in with them, which is a very, which the is a very home noble. Came along with the mother-in-law. <laughs> it is a very noble and wonderful thing. However, it may not always be what we as an individual uh, feel comfortable with, like or how it will change the dynamics of our relationships. Yeah. And so. Uh, as she was in a safe, nurturing environment and relaxing, it really uh, surfaced within her that this was causing her a tremendous amount of stress. And, and so, uh, it's it, funny, the, the strange thing is it, it caused a traumatic after effect. <laughs> Tell about that phone call you got from her husband. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and so what happened was is that uh, one of these days the phone rang and I um, it happened that her husband called and kind of saying what did I do uh, to his wife and as I uh, kind of recovered here a little bit from the shock um, uh, I understood what was happening uh, as Erica had realized. Uh, the frustrations or even also the uh, anger that bubbled up during her treatment that this was not really what she wanted uh, or that it caused her too much stress and that things needed to change within the home given the fact that her in-laws moved in also. She confronted her husband at home. Of course, I didn't know about it until that phone call Uh, and and later on, embarrassingly, uh, Maria shared and knew of it. However, what it did do is it opened up uh, ground for communication between her and her husband. Uh, probably not in the smoothest way, uh, but it did result in the fact that the uh, circumstances improved for her and uh, the headaches uh, diminished to the point eventually that they went yeah, away. Because so. one of the spouses can't always uh, let the other spouse have everything their way <laughs> if it's not working out for the wife in this case. <laughs> it's, the husband. Yeah, it's all a compromise. And sometimes, you know, depending how we are raised, where we come from, and how we deal individually with some of the circumstances and our feelings as we acknowledge them, you know, we try to compromise. However, if it's really going against so to, the grain, so to speak, or against the flow, something needs to shift. Right. We need to either communicate. We need to integrate integrate something different, but we also need to be aware of what exactly is bothering us so much that may possibly even contribute to physical pain, specifically yeah, chronic and pain. Then when you reveal to your partner if that marriage was meant to be, you work out a situation where it's a true partnership, and each one's respecting the other wishes and the other's wishes, and it, it works out much better. But well, none of us wants to have. Uh, chronic pain, but uh, in those instances where um, conventional medical testing will not reveal a, a physical cause, how should uh, you advi- how do you advise your clients and our listeners to explore and pin down possible causes of their pain? Well, you know, conventional medicine is primarily focused on the biochemical uh, uh, situation of a a disease. And quite frankly, the medical establishment does not necessarily have the time, specifically when it comes to chronic pain, to go a little bit deeper. So that's why we have specialists and different people that support us also. And what can we all do? Well, I think the most important thing is to every day possibly establish a routine, a ritual where we 
check in with ourselves, where we kind of uh, use our breath to slow down our breath, calm down our nervous system, and really pay attention to what do we feel. You may call it meditation or prayer or actually both because as they say, your praying is for asking, but meditation is listening. So really listening into your feelings every day and acknowledging them, the authentic uh, self also, and to see how it fits into our circumstances also uh, and uh, our relationships. I think that's a very important thing to really be um, in that moment. I think that is of utmost importance. Yeah, I know how you point out you don't want to, let a hurt that you may not even recognize as hurt, and then it turns into anger, and then your body will begin to justify your uh, feeling of anger, and you begin to suffer, and you end up in chronic pain. <laughs> I know that was the case with Erica. <laughs> yeah, well, our mind is a one, has a wonderful way of rationalizing uh, what is occurring to us, and specifically when it comes to pain. Also, us human beings have a difficult time oftentimes to um, embrace the thought that, um, you know, either chronic pain cannot it can be related to a mindset or the way we process and deal with things in life. So uh, somehow we tend to find evidence, you know, with an MRI, an X-ray or something that because of this I am in pain. So um, to just open your, to keep an open mind is very important to what may have, the stressful events that may have contributed to one being in pain. Well, I know you have a restorative acupuncture clinic in Phoenix, but uh, you also have clients who live elsewhere in America and even around the world. Uh, What what do you... uh, how do you serve these clients as an integrative health and wellness coach? Do you uh, communicate okay. with them directly, or how does that work? Sure. Of course, if you come to my uh, office, that's an acupuncture treatment. So I work as an uh, acupuncturist in that respect. However, in the virtual world, I function as a health and wellness coach. A coach is different from a practitioner in the yeah. sense that I'm trying to help you uh, achieve your goal, okay? And yeah. so I may not be able to physically put my hands on you, uh, but I can, for example, explore with you what has been stopping you. Where is your mindset at? Why you may not have made that phone call to this particular practitioner or why you haven't followed through, um, you know, in order for you to get to the desired goal also. So really also trying to explore your mindset as to what has been stopping you uh, in order to start feeling better and reach your goal. Well, how best can someone get in contact with you, perhaps to become a client or to learn more about your uh, services? I think the best way, if possible, is to just send me an email. I think uh, most of... uh, uh, the population these days is on uh, the internet via email, so you are welcome to email me at Dagma, that's D-A-G-M as in Mary, A-R, at DagmaBauerPregatano.com. That's simple enough, and that's spelled B-A-U-E-R-P-R-I-G-A-T-A-N-O.com, right? It's B as in boy, Bauer, B-A-U-E-R, and then Prigatano, P as in Paul, R-I-G-A-T-A-N-O. That's good. And uh, I also know you have a 
private Facebook group and community. How can a listener join that? Uh, in uh, the Facebook group, yes. It's called the Breakthrough Pain uh, uh, Community and Support Group on Facebook. So if you search for that, uh, you're uh, welcome uh, to join us uh, and find like-minded people struggling with similar concerns as you do. And you also have a newsletter. I know that I received that, and uh, it's very helpful. That, again, I guess would contact you and get on that uh, newsletter mailing list, email list. Absolutely. I'll be happy to add anybody who wishes to be part of that list. Again, just send me a simple email letting me know you wish to be added at dogma, at dogmabawaprigatano.com, and I'll be happy to add you. Well, I can think of nothing more debilitating and destructive uh, to the good life than to suffer continually from an extended interval of chronic pain, even more not being able to pinpoint what's causing the pain and having no way to relieve it. And pain sometimes can be traced to a traumatic injury, a serious illness, or a degenerative uh, changes, but that hopefully can be treated and in time will lessen and go away. But as my guest, Dagmar Bauer-Pregatano, points out, the pain may, be, um, may defy conventional diagnosis and may take on a life all of its own, disrupting your activities and destroying your peace of mind. And uh, if chronic pain is your problem, and if you'd like to begin uh, living a more natural and healthy lifestyle, I highly recommend that you make contact with Dagmar Bauer-Pregatano and thanks a million, Dagmar, for your highly enlightening advice. And thanks to Thank listeners you. for joining us. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry about that, Roy. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, if anybody out there is struggling with pain, I wish them well and hope they will find relief very soon. Thank you yeah, so thanks much. Thanks to me and uh, listeners for tuning in today. And uh, may all of you enjoy a pain-free, joyful, and a great holiday season, and for that matter, a stress-free second half of life. And please join us again next week on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 